dudes, dudettes, are you here? I mean, here? Because I tell you something's happening, and it's out of sight, my man. Thank you for dropping in on the Paul Leslie Hour. We got Captain Flashback on this episode. Uh Uh-huh, I told you so. Captain's here to talk about his upcoming live show, and you invited to experience Captain Flashback's Laurel Canyon Love Show. It's a immersive celebration of the 60s and 70s roots of culture. Classic rock. <laughs> it's going down January 15th, 2024 at the Whiskey A Go-Go's 60th Anniversary Celebration. And my friends, it's all ages, Daddy-O. Go to laurelcanyonlove.com. Oh, you know, Paul would also dig it if you would subscribe to the Paul Leslie Hour on your YouTube and give a like to the Facebook page, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Now let's hear it from Captain Flashback. You're going to love his groove. You're going to dig his vibe. And man, his stories are out of sight. Every music lover's bag. So come on in, my peoples. Let's get together and listen right now. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. You're looking well. So. <laughs> It's the one and only Captain Flashback. That's right. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. It's a great pleasure. Oh, sure. It's uh, I'm kind of thrilled because I know you've interviewed some great musicians, some personal heroes of mine, including Willie Nelson and Pete Seeger. So I'm kind of excited to tell my story here. Well, it's it's our pleasure. So we're going to be talking about a number of things, uh, but there's an event coming up, and it's an immersive rock and roll show. And it's Captain Flashbacks, that's you, Laurel Canyon Love, celebrating the 60s and the 70s. I maybe wasn't born at that time, but <laughs> it is my favorite music of all time. Uh, so so tell us a little bit about what does that mean, an immersive rock and roll show? Yeah, so we've taken kind of the idea of you know live music and audience participation and kind of put some things together because I want to make it a fun interactive experience where people are singing and dancing along where we have some kind of Rocky horror picture show style audience talk back parts. We have trivia stuff for prizes that we're given out. So it's an immersive thing with go-go dancers and the whole deal. So it's, it's, it's quite a fun event. It's for the 60th anniversary of the whiskey, a go-go, which is January 16th. So the show is January 15th. January 15th at 8.30 p.m. And tell us a little bit, Captain Flashback, if you could give us an insight. You grew up Laurel Canyon adjacent. Uh, What are some of your most vivid memories of growing up? Yeah. Well, um, we always, some friends of mine and I would, you know, take our lawn mowing money and stuff like that and bribe our friends that had older brothers and sisters who had cars to drive us into Hollywood. And so we would sneak in. I'd made friends with all the bouncers and everything at all the different clubs to see these shows because they were just incredible shows. And I was into music back then at at an early age. So around 13, 14 years old, we used to sneak in and stay there while we can and see some incredible shows. I remember seeing, you know, stuff like 
Tom Petty opening for Blondie. So just incredible shows, which you're right there in front of them. So um, actually made my way into the riot house on Sunset Boulevard with Led Zeppelin when they were touring LA. Um, and, you know, all the Canyon parties, because we, we used to go, you know, to Tower Records when it was there on Sunset. And that was kind of our meeting place to find out what was going on. People would tell, oh, this this band's playing here or this party's happening here. And, you know, we would just make our way and and just go have some fun and, and live the life. It was awesome. Some of us have seen the documentaries and we've read the books. We weren't there. Was it as magical as it seemed? Did you have a feeling like this is was extremely special? Or because it was your your youth, was it just this is the norm? Yeah, it was just this is the norm. And it was more about the great music. You know, I, we were young, so we didn't know all the stuff going on behind the scenes or everything that's happening here and there. Um, we just liked the music and hanging out. So that was that was the best part for us was getting to see some of these incredible shows. Cause there was all kinds of, you know, that was kind of the blend of folk and, and country and rock and psychedelia and everything kind of coming together, which formed classic rock as we know it. So that's what my show's about is to really celebrate this. Cause you don't hear these bands perform live anymore. Um, even with tribute bands, you know, they're just, they don't have that quality. There's not the four part harmonies. There's not that energy and the, and the feeling. So that's what I'm trying to bring with that immersive experience is people come dressed up in, in costumes like the sixties and we have go-go dancers and theme drink menu, the full four, four part harmonies on all these incredible songs. Um, you know, you don't, you don't hear bands doing Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young because they just can't do them. So hmm. that is true. Well, everybody out there, if if they want to find out more, it's laurelcanyonlove.com. And something caught my my eye there, the roots of classic rock. And that's something you were just kind of talking about. It's so interesting to me that it wasn't just what we think of as British rock or American rock and roll. As you said, there was this psychedelia. There was a little element of country sometimes right. and all these other things it's really fascinating isn't it oh yeah and you know that was where you know where the birds came into it and the flying burrito brothers and other bands that kind of again brought those country elements but then uh at the whiskey you, you know the house band was for a while was chicago transit authority which later became chicago and the doors were the house band so all these influences were happening and people were coming to check out these great bands and these lineups where you know the doors were opening for the birds and the mamas and the papas and it was just incredible shows that were happening um and all of that kind of blended together um there was a little bit of the british invasion you know the stones Mick Jagger used to come over all the time and, and head down to the Ash Grove. I was friends with Ed Pearl. He passed a few years ago, but the Ash Grove was a, a big scene. The Ash Grove, Troubadour, um, Whiskey, where people were playing. But the Ash Grove brought in a lot of the blues players from the South. They, would, they wouldn't have them at any other clubs. Um, so that's what brought Mick out. He was kind of nicking some moves and licks from all these great blues players. Um, but the Whiskey was a, just the, the central meeting place. Um, and the Troubadour for all that stuff that was happening at the time. So I always like to think about some of the shows that I've seen. And then sometimes I would have like an afterglow the next day. I was still kind of, you know, in the, the mode of it. If somebody goes to this show on January 15th at the whiskey, a go, go, 
What is it that you hope that person says? Like, I went to the show. I saw Captain Flashback doing his Laurel Canyon love show. This is what I think about it. What would they say? Yeah. Um, A lot of times I tell people it's kind of like you're going to this incredible warehouse party with all the best bands from the 60s and 70s that started the classic rock. And you're singing and dancing with them and hearing the songs pretty close to the way they were. We do our own versions and we, we blend some songs. We make it interesting. We've got some theatrics. We do a, a Zappa tune and so we throw some theatrics in there, but it's a real rock and roll show. You know, this is not just a band or a tribute. It's an immersive experience where the audience becomes part of the show. So like you said, that next day you're like, that was a lot of fun. I had a great time going out. I sang, I heard all this great music that I usually don't hear live anymore. And it was just a lot of fun. And fun is so important. Now, the thing about radio today is that there's so much radio that is just instantly forgettable if you even want to listen in the first place. We were connected through the late DJ Jim Ladd. And I'm hoping you can speak just a bit about radio because, I mean, there were radio shows from the 60s and 70s that were so good that people collect tapes of them. doesn't really happen very much today. Was radio a big deal to you growing up? Oh, yeah. It was a a huge deal, especially Jim Ladd, because about the time he was at KMET at the time and then moved over to KLOS. But he played all the artists, but put together stylized kind of thematic sets um, that really or entertainment. It wasn't just one song after the other, and it wasn't the common song. It was what fit the groove and what fit the theme that he was coming up with. So it really took it to an art form. And he lived in Laurel Canyon for many years. He had a a great house that was double-decker, and it had a little trolley that went up to it. And he interviewed all of these great artists from the the Laurel Canyon scene up in his house. Um, And it was sad to see that he passed. Um, I actually connected with him online a few years ago because he he was digging what I was doing because I I really want to celebrate and perpetuate the the music and the vibe and the energy of Laurel Canyon because we need it so much uh, these days with just everything that's happening in the world. We need more peace and love. We need more people just, you know, taking care of each other and, and, and having fun together. Um, you know, maybe they can take a bit of that Canyon spirit out into the world where they, wherever they live. Um, and so we connected online and he was going to come down and introduce my show. We were talking about it. Um, he li- lived in Carmichael, which is just uh, kind of east of Sacramento in Northern California. So he was trying to figure out a way to come down and introduce the show because it was the 60th anniversary of the whiskey. So he has connection to the whiskey and all the artists that play there and all the bands that we play um, were the bands that he loved and the music that he loved. So he kind of liked that I was doing a free form set of music from the scene with a live show. So he wanted to come down and introduce it, but sadly uh, that wasn't, wasn't to be. Hmm. Well, maybe uh, a couple people or or maybe a lot of people that go to this show on January 15th, maybe they will keep DJ Jim Ladd in mind and in spirit. Yeah, well, I hope, you know, a lot of people uh, that are local to Southern California, if they hear this and they're fans of Jim Ladd and the Freeform Radio that come out, this is kind of like a listener tribute, an unofficial one. Um, and... You know, we can go out and have some fun and and play some music and and toast one up for Jim. How he would have wanted it. Exactly. Exactly. What songs mean the most to you? Um, 
we do a version, we blend it together as the importance of music and, and protest and social movements, because a lot of the issues that we were dealing with in the 60s, voting rights, civil rights, women's rights, um, anti-war statements, we're facing all the same stuff today. It's all here. And so the power of music is it reaches people in their soul and it gets them to take action. Um, so a lot of the protest music, um, that's why I mentioned Pete Seeger before, because I'm a huge fan of Pete Seeger. Even on my guitar, I've got the uh, the sticker that he and uh, Woody Guthrie used to put on on their instruments that you know that says this machine kills faster. And um, so we do We Shall Overcome. We do um, Find the Cost of Freedom, which you never hear that live anymore because all the harmonies and everything, it's amazing. And then we blend that right into Ohio um, by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. So it's a lot of those songs resonate a lot with me. And the it does with the crowd too, because like I said, you usually don't hear them um, at shows or at tribute shows or stuff like that. And again, this isn't, you know, we do some original stuff, my songs as well. So it's a blend of all of these incredible songs, but then they've influenced me. And then we play some other 70s stuff that's um, where the cla original classic artists influence them. And so I weave it all together in stories because, again, um, I grew up in the scene. I snuck into the clubs. I played in all the clubs as I got older in my own bands. And along the way, I met most of the original artists um, that created all this. And they told me stories, firsthand stories about the bands and the songs and the drama and why they wrote this song and what it meant and stuff like that. So I weave that in between um, the show. So again, you get the fun and the experience and you get to sing and dance and participate, but then you get to hear some of the real stories behind each of the songs and how it's all, how it all came together. Well, on that note, I'm sure you've got so many stories. Uh, I'll bet you tons of stories. Would you maybe have a story maybe that you could tell everybody out there? Yeah, it's not one that I was at, but um, the influence, this is kind of a, a roundabout thing, It's but it's interesting because of the influence of the British scene, but then also the classic rock scene and the beach scene that was happening too in, in California and the California sound and classic rock and all of that. Um, but when the Beatles came out with Rubber Soul, it freaked a lot of people out. Um, especially Brian Wilson. And so when he heard that he wasn't touring with the Beach Boys anymore, and so he was just staying in California writing songs, um, he used to hang out with David Crosby a lot. And he heard Rubber Soul and it freaked him out. And he went over to Crosby's house and they were just jamming late at night. And he was at the piano just working on some stuff. And it got late. Crosby's like, I'm, I'm going to bed. I'll see you in the morning. Crosby came out in the morning and Brian Wilson was still at the piano at the same place working on the same stuff. He was working on, he was writing pet sounds. So basically, he was taking that and writing pet sounds. From that, um, Brian Johnston from, took the acetate to England, and he was kind of hanging out with Keith Moon and that. And Keith knew um, Paul and uh, John, and he brought them over to their hotel room and they played it. And then they listened to it once, and they're like, didn't say anything. And then Paul said, "Play it again." And they played the whole thing again. And then that got them going to do Sgt. Pepper, which, you know, arguably two of the greatest rock albums of all time are Pet Sounds and Sgt. Pepper. So it's just, it's fun how the stories come together and how it all blended in and the influence. Um, to take it, a neck, uh, you know, one step further, Chicago Transit Authority was opening, was one of the uh, house bands at the Whiskey for a while. 
and everyone wanted to see the, they had a hot guitar, Terry Kath was awesome. Um, and they were more blues back in the day, uh, before they became Chicago. And, but Hendrix came down cause he wanted to hear this guitarist. And so he watched the set and Terry was outside smoking a cigarette on the street on sunset. And he got a tap on the shoulder, turned around. And it was Jimi Hendrix. And he's like, man, that was amazing. You play better than I do. And it's probably the only time that Hendrix has ever said that. But, um, when Sergeant Pepper came out, Hendrix heard that he was playing that weekend and Paul and all the Beatles came to his show because they wanted to check out Hendrix and he opened the show with Sergeant Pepper. He heard the song. He was like, this is awesome. He did his own version and opened his show with Sergeant Pepper. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome indeed. Yeah. And, and just, it's amazing how everything, especially in music, everything is connected. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you you could maybe get the idea like, well, what what would Pete Seeger have to do with this person? And it's like, believe me, there's a thread. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious because, like, when I think about, I haven't been to that part of the country nearly as much as you, being based out there. But one of the coolest people that I ever met in my life down there in Southern California would be Elliot Mintz famed radio personality host of the lost linen tapes etc oh, yeah. uh, I, I i like to know because i think it's so important who have you encountered in the world of rock and roll who is the nicest who is the coolest person um and sometimes this is kind of surprising because sometimes his reputation precedes him it's neil young i was and this is a, another kind of weird funny story is in Santa Monica on Pico Boulevard, there used to be a place that's no longer there. It was called the San Francisco Saloon. We used to go there because they had good beers and stuff. And it was kind of like a saloon, but they had open windows that were open to the street. And during the summer, it was nice because you could sit there and they'd open the window and the breeze would come in and you're drinking beers and hanging out. All of a sudden, I look down the street and it's freaking Neil Young walking down. He's distinctive. You can't miss him. And I'm like, <laughs> by himself. I'm like, oh, my God. I tell my friends, I didn't say hold my beer because, you know, that wasn't a saying back then. But I'm like, <laughs> I'll be right back. And I went outside and I'm like, Neil, come on in, man. Let me buy you a beer. And he came in. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm not drinking, but I'll have some water. And we just we chatted for a few minutes. He's like, I got to get going. But he was just the nicest guy. And he's, you know, been known to be kind of brusque or have the reputation and he, you know he had issues with david crosby and david crosby has his own issues too but um but he was super nice he was just a really nice guy down to earth we talked about music we talked about life you know just for that brief 10 minutes that we hung out and he had some water it was awesome that is i'll say you know and thank goodness that you took that shot because you know oh yeah uh, it can be intimidating first of all somebody who has created incredible work or written incredible songs and then when they have kind of a a, a public perception sometimes like oh you know you don't want to you don't want to approach them but then you do it it's worth the shot i think oh yeah totally as long as you're nice you know and polite it's like um most people are pretty accommodating one uh, one other story too I, I was doing a project a few years ago um and we were promoting it on KLOS radio. And so we were in studio in the morning in the morning show. And that's like 6 a.m. or whatever. It was the Mark and Brian radio show back when it was still on the air. Um, but before us 
was uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. They were promoted. They were going on their solo little tour that they were doing. And so they were on before and they performed a few songs. And so in the green room, I chatted up um, Stevie about Laurel Canyon and everything. And that was pretty cool too. She was super nice, even though it was like 6.30 in the morning, which is not great for musicians, but um, we, she was uh, more than accommodating and and wanted to share some stories, which was interesting because um, Fleetwood Mac, it was it used to be Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. That was the name, you know, they were a big blues band in, in England, but Peter Green had some mental issues. He had to stop playing. And so they kind of drifted for a while. And then uh, Mick Fleetwood moved to Laurel Canyon and he was hanging out at the Canyon Country store. He used to run into David Crosby all the time. David Crosby told him, hey, go up the street to Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, which is just over the hill. He said, there's some good stuff happening there. And that's uh, Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks were recording Buckingham Nicks, um, their album. And so he listened to that and he, he was like, got some ideas. And so he said, come over to my house in Laurel Canyon. And he wanted... Um, Stevie to join, but only Stevie. And she's like, it's got to be both of us. And I'm glad they did because that kind of took Fleetwood Mac in a whole new direction with their, because most of the songs from Buckingham Nicks ended up on that first uh, white album of the new direction of Fleetwood Mac. You've got a lot of stories and there are few things that blend better than songs and stories. You know, some of my favorite entertainers, have done that they've com- combined a little bit of a tale and then a song right. uh, of course i've liked a, a lot of artists that don't say anything like bob dylan but it's it's good to get some stories in there and everybody out there it's laurelcanyonlove.com and this is going to be at the whiskey a go-go january 15th at 8 30 p.m yep. and uh, tell us a, a you know the whiskey a go-go if you love the history of southern california if you love rock and roll if you love just seeing cool things the place is in and of itself is magical oh yeah would you care to tell anyone who hasn't been there maybe they would like to take a road trip if they're not far or maybe they will be in la Tell us about the Whiskey A Go-Go. Yeah. Um, first off on my show, it's an all-ages show. So a lot of younger folks are getting into the classic rock and vinyl. So it's all ages. You can come and have some fun. And it kind of relates back to the story I'm going to tell. There, We played there oh, about a, two months ago. And a gentleman from Oakland and his son, who was 15, starting his own band and stuff, were just visiting Hollywood and they saw the marquee and they're into classic rock. So they're like, we got to go to the show. They had a great time. They came up after. So we're friends now and everything, and they're going to come to the show. So just a lot of good stuff. The whiskey was started in 1964. So again, it's the 60th anniversary. And a guy named Elmer Valentine was in Paris and there was a club called the Whiskey Go-Go. They had go-go dancers and music and stuff. And he's like, oh, that's a cool idea. So he said, I'm going to bring it to, to the U.S. So when he got back to the States, he got a place on Sunset in San Vicente, where the whiskey is now. Started the Whiskey Agogo. Didn't really do all that well. He didn't really know how to run a club or business. And so he reached out to a friend of his uh, called Mario Maglieri. Uh, hmm. He was from Chicago. And he came out and pretty much ran it and put it all together the, the way it is now. Uh, bought bought Valent- Valentine out. And now it's the third generation owner of the whiskey, Mike Maglieria, who's the grandson. 
Um, and he asked me to come perform for and celebrate the, the 60th anniversary. They actually own the whiskey and then also the rainbow, which is right down the street. Um, it used to be called the Villanova. It was an old restaurant, and that's where actually uh, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe had their first date, was at the Villanova right there on Sunset. But in 72, they bought the Villanova, and they turned it into the Rainbow, which became kind of the prototype for the Hard Rock Cafe, because it has memorabilia and all kinds of stuff. Um, and actually, okay, here's an inside tip for your listeners. If they're coming to the show, we have a party at 6.30, a pre-show fiesta at the Rainbow. There's a booth that Zeppelin used to stay at all the time. There's a booth for Slash. We've reserved both of those, and we're going to have dinner and drinks and hang out. So if anybody wants to come have some fun, do the old rock and roll experience, we're going to be at the Rainbow So before the show. and uh, But the whiskey, again, that was the place where all the bands came to kind of try out their songs Again, the Doors were the house band for a while. Chicago Transit Authority were the house band for a while. Just about every major artist you can think of performed there and made their name. Zappa got signed there. Um, it was just it was just good stuff all the way around. And I'm so happy to hear that that it's an all ages show. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, uh, whether it's my my nieces and nephews or just occasionally, I've encountered you know, friends, kids or whatever. It always blows me away. And it also makes me smile when it's like, I was asking um, this guy probably 14 or 15. I think he is now. I said, what's your favorite band? And he said, um, probably the Beatles. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, <laughs> it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I love all types of music. I'm a musician. So I, you know, I love all different types and all styles and genres. Um, but to me, because it's where I grew up and it's kind of what influenced me. So the the playing of live instruments, full harmonies, the whole thing when you're there, um, there's all kinds of things you can do with AI and sampling. And I get it. And, uh, you know, there's some really good stuff out there. But nothing beats having a live band and people singing and harmonizing right there and playing a live instrument. Um, there's something special about it, especially when you're at the show. It really resonates inside. And like I said, if you've, if you've got some great songs going, it can really touch people down in their soul. So, Very, very true. And the other thing, you know, we live in an age where people are so much listening to music on their phone. And I understand it's very, very accessible. But the place, the thing about a place like the Whiskey A Go Go, uh, regardless of who's playing, you know, my first time at that at that club and the rainbow, looking around and just like the sightseeing, seeing the different folks, the different people, like sometimes oh, yeah. the people watching is is oh, a yeah. big part of it. Well, and here's another funny story too. So, you know, Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead used to, lived right down the street because he wanted to hang out at the rainbow all the time. And he did. He was there all the time. And the, here's a kind of a funny story is whenever I would play any of the Sunset Strip clubs, whether it's the Viper Room or the Roxy or the Whiskey, um, we would go to the Rainbow beforehand, you know, have dinner and drinks and hang out. And Lemmy would always be there because he's sitting at the bar playing his little video game. And so I'd always invite him. I'd say, Lemmy, you're on the guest list. He's like, okay, I'll come when I, when I finish my game. And so we'd play the set. Lemmy wasn't there. We go back to the rainbow after I'm like, Lemmy, what happened? He's like, I'm still playing my game. 
<laughs> he loved playing that video game for always. It was just, it was, it was funny. It was a, it became a running joke. So great, great stories. So Captain Flashback, aside from being an entertainer and being a musical performer, would you say, is there a greater purpose to the work that you do? Um, yeah, I think so. And that's kind of what I want to do because when I looked at the landscape, um, and this happened during the pandemic because I, I was kind of freaking out because a lot of my musical heroes were either no longer performing or they were passing. And so I was like, this kind of sucks. And nobody, there's nothing. New York has Broadway, so there's Broadway shows and music, rich tradition there. Vegas has, you know, resident name residency shows. They have Sphere now, which is this incredible thing. And they have Legends in Concert, which is kind of the tribute show Elvis and all that that's been running for 39 years, but there's nothing here um, in Hollywood that really celebrates our rich musical history and seeing music scenes develop all the time, you know, but what, what brought everybody together to create the Laurel Canyon scene and the sound and all these great bands. Um, nobody's really telling the story. Nobody's celebrating the music. It's kind of going by the wayside and, and that kind of freaked me out. So I'm like, okay, I've got a great band together. I reformed the band. We wrote some new songs of my own. We started working on other songs and made it more of the Laurel Canyon love story. Um, I partnered with Starline Tours because what I want to eventually do is make this kind of a destination for tourists that come from all over the United States and around the world to come hear the, the classic rock music, the Laurel Canyon scene, to get some of that peace and love vibe. Um, and then hopefully, you know, take some of that message, have that feel good you know, event the next day and then take some of the canyon back to their communities and maybe they're kinder to their friends and neighbors and strangers. Who knows? You know, it, it's a little bit here and there. And it's when you talked about Pete Seeger um, and you interviewed him, one, one thing I liked about that is he, he looked at everything kind of like a seesaw. And he said, you know, on one side, you've got all these rocks, heavy, giant rocks of things that can't move. And you've got all these other idealists and dreamers and people that want to change the world. And they're putting little teaspoons of sand in there. <laughs> and, you know, it's like the teaspoon brigade. That's what he called it. Um, I think I'm part of the teaspoon brigade because we're putting, you know, a little bit here and there every day. And eventually that's going to balance it out or raise it up and move those big rocks. So, hmm. Very, very interesting. You know, you are tapping into something else, though. I could see a show like this in other venues. You know, I, I would love to be there on January yeah. 15th. I'm on the opposite coast, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you do have a desire to to get this show where other people can see it. Yeah. Well, and actually, you know, I'm, I'm no genius. I'm following the model, you know, success leaves clues. So Legends in Concert have been going for 39 years in Vegas. Again, it, it was at the Tropicana, but now the Tropicana is down and they're finding a new home. But, you know, all the tourists that come to Vegas, they want to see the impersonators of the Rat Pack and Elvis and Dean Martin and all that stuff. Um, so it's just a, a show that celebrates the history of Vegas. And so they have like I said, they've been doing it for 39 years, but they also have a touring company. So they go all around the world and bring the show to different people around the world. And I kind of want to do that model, um, number one, because it's successful and success leaves clues. Um, but I think there's a real audience out there for it. So whether in Vegas or Branson or off-Broadway or especially England, you know, London, 
Germany, uh, Japan, Australia, they would love this because of the music and the stories and just, you know, reliving kind of the history um, of the time. Because like I said, you know, a lot of the issues that we faced in the 60s and a lot of that protest music and what Pete Seeger was talking about and um, the, all, a lot of those issues are back now. And we need to band together as people, as humans and and help each other. And so that's what I want to do. So right now on the horizon, uh, coming right up, it's January 15th at 8.30 p.m. at the Whiskey A Go-Go. And everybody can go to laurelcanyonlove.com. Captain Flashbacks, Laurel Canyon Love, celebrating the 60s and 70s roots of classic rock and roll. Sure to be a great show. And something that I do, no matter who the guest is, whether it's Willie Nelson or um, when I interviewed my dad, <laughs> I always give the guest the last word. And it's a totally open-ended question. For anybody who's tuned in, listening, watching, what would you, Captain Flashback, like to say to that person? Um, it's probably, and it's a quote from Frank Zappa. And he said, uh, the mind is like a parachute. It works best when open. So have an open mind no matter what situation you're in, whether it's listening to different types of music, whether it's in a social situation, whether it's volunteering or thinking, oh, can I make a difference in the world? Have an open mind and give it a shot because um, you really can make a difference. Um, that's my last word. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure yeah. to spend time with you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, thanks, Paul. I love it. My pleasure. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.